an interesting word, isn't it? We, we use it a lot, we sing it a lot, we know that it's amazing, we know that it is incredible, we know that it covers us, but, but what does it actually mean? What does grace actually mean for you and for me in practice? And how do we interact with grace? Grace is a nice idea, but I suspect that many of us, myself included, struggle to accept grace. In fact, I know that I struggle to accept grace. Why? What, what, what is it? The, 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 the textbook answer, which is a good answer, is that grace is God's unmerited favor towards us. We, it's, it's God being kind to us, though we don't deserve it. It's, it's God giving us what we don't deserve. It's, it's God being nice to us. But I, I, I think that perhaps we shouldn't be thinking of grace as something that God gives us. Because grace isn't a thing that God gives us. Grace isn't a, God doesn't have a big jar of grace at the top which he, you know, ladles out like maple syrup over us. God, God's grace is, is, I think, God giving himself to us when we don't deserve him. It, it's a relational thing. It's God saying, I will be your friend. I will be active in your life. I will walk with you. I will carry you on your shoulder even though you have done nothing that I owe you. I don't owe you anything. And that's grace. Grace is God working in our lives. Grace is God bringing about in us what, what we can't do on our own. Grace works through spiritual disciplines as, as we learn to do what we cannot do by our own selves. But, but that's God working in us by His grace. Grace is God by His Spirit coming into our lives when we are dead and giving us new life. This afternoon at the evangelism group, we're going to be looking at Ezekiel's valley of dry bones where, where God's Spirit comes and brings new life. That, that's grace. The reason you're here is because there is grace active in your life. I don't know where you're standing with God right now. Maybe, maybe you... You've made a decision for him. Maybe you are down in the dumps and feeling like God has abandoned you and you are just worthless. Can I tell you the very fact that you have bothered coming into this church today to listen to God is grace. Because it's only by grace that you would even want to have a relationship with God. That's grace. But grace, grace goes more than Further than that, grace is God saving us, but, but grace is God's loving us no matter what. It's, it's God staying involved with us. Romans 8, I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Height, depth, angels, demons, insert anything you want in that list. Nothing. Nothing, nothing. What can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? Nothing. That is grace. That at no point God says, well, now that you've done that, you're on your own, mate. God should be saying that to us on a pretty daily basis, shouldn't he? But, but he doesn't because he loves us. 
And grace, grace is more than just God being nice to us and going, there, there, that's okay. Grace is God's coming into our lives saying, you know what, I'm going to stick with you because I want to change you and I want to make you into the person that I want you to be. I want you to be in a relationship with me and in order for that to be, you have to be like my son. You have to be like Jesus. Grace is God working in our lives, acting in our lives to bring good things that are beyond us and, and good things that we don't deserve. When we look to the cross, we see that we are lost, but we also see that, that we are valuable. I mean, how much grace does it take for God to send his own son, the eternally existing one, through whom the world was created, to die for you and I? Sometimes I, I, I stare up at the clouds and I see different shapes in them and they're majestic. And sometimes you go out at night and you look at the stars and you, you just go, wow, that's incredible. And the astronomers tell us that the universe is, what is it, 170 billion light years across or something and still expanding into they don't know what. And Jesus, who made all of that, who is bigger than all of that, who is stronger than all of that, who at a word can snuff out a star or start a new one, who can sit in a boat and say, shush to the waves, and they shush. Have you ever tried that, by the way, when it's stormy outside, just going, shush? It doesn't work, does it? But this is Jesus, and he has so much undeserved kindness towards us that he says, yeah, I'm going to let myself be beaten. That's grace. He lived his life for us, he gave his life for us, and he lives again for us. Dallas Willard says, we are unceasing spiritual beings with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. That's grace. It's grace that God created us. That God said, I want to create humans in my image and I want them to be with me forever. You know, that's a privilege that we have that the rest of creation on this earth doesn't have. Ephesians chapter 2, have a listen to this. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins... You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. Is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of us since he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead, it's only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us, God can point to us in all future ages as examples of, of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all he has done for us, who are united with Christ Jesus. 
God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation's not a reward for the good things we've done. None of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Men's Shed is on tomorrow night. And as comical as some of my creations have been, some of them I'm quite proud of. And I will very subtly lay them out, the breadboard or a serving platter or something, and I won't quite say, ahem, ahem. silence everyone, before we say grace, can I just point out that breadboard? <laughs> yep. <sighs> Made that myself. <laughs> I'm proud of it. Do I have a right to be proud of it? Not so much. But here's the thing, God does that with us. And he's not pointing, man, look at Vili, isn't he incredible? That's just, that bloke is incredible, he's amazing. God's pointing at Vili going, man, look at him, aren't I amazing to put up with him? I've done so much with him and I'm changing him and, and throughout eternity he's going to be looking at you and at me and he's going to, like, can you imagine being an angel and every time one of us walks past, God goes, hey, did you see what I did there? I don't know if you're allowed to get irritated by things like that, but, but I, that, that's the kind of thing that God does. He's going to be pointing at us and going, man, look at what I did. Look at what I made. And you should have seen the raw material. It started out good and then it got all these cracks and it was horrible. And I've formed it into something beautiful. And boy, it's, it's difficult to tell them apart from my son, isn't it? Grace is God being kind to us. When our trust is in him, that kindness means life. Not because we are good enough. Not because we ever are good enough. If you find a Christian who is good enough, you find a Christian who hasn't understood grace. Or you found a Christian in heaven, in which case, well done. Why is God kind to us? Because he wants to be kind to us. God wants to be kind to us. God wants us to be like Jesus. He made us to belong to Jesus, to do good works. Regardless of how pathetic you are, God's plan is to point at you and go, look what I have done. Look what I have made. And this is, this is regardless of how badly you mess up. When you became a Christian, God poured out his grace on you. And at that point, you stopped sinning. There was no more temptation in your life. Your thoughts never went to places where they shouldn't go. Amen. Here's the good news. God's grace cannot be outgraced because God is bigger than anything or anything that we can do. God's grace cannot be extinguished. It cannot run out. Have a listen to, uh, to Romans. We're going to start at uh, chapter 5, verse 18. Uh, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. Here's the bad news. Um, we are all pathetic sinners. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone because one person disobeyed God, many sinners uh, 
Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they really were. And Paul goes on in Romans to go, man, I thought I was doing so well. And then I read the law about not coveting. And all of a sudden I realized I really wanted my neighbor's Ferrari. God's law was given so that people could see how sinful they were, but as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So, just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? We've just said God's grace cannot be outmatched. So let's give it a try, shall we? Well, says Paul, of course not! And the Greek there is like it's the strongest form of not on your life. No, 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 says Paul. Since we've died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we've been united with him in his death, we all also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin reign or control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. There's a good reason, isn't it? So, use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean that we can keep on sinning? You've got to be joking, says Paul. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can, be, you can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I'm using the illustration of slavery to uh, help you understand all of this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led deeper and deeper into sin. Now, you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now stuck. Oh, well, you'll just have to listen to me. You are now the ashamed of the things you used to do. 
Oh, well. Technology, eh? <laughs> Technology is not my friend today. Romans chapter 6. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I'm using this illustration. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And, and what was the result? You're now ashamed of the things you used to do. Things that end in eternal doom. But, but now you are free from the power of sin and you have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and which result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, who is our Lord. You see, Paul says that sin reigns in death. Grace reigns through righteousness. The way that sin works is that it produces death. The way that grace works is that it produces righteousness. Grace is more than just God ignoring it when we do the wrong thing. God, grace is more than God just patting on us on the head saying, there, there, that's okay. Grace is about God making us holy. This is, this is about God giving us himself. This is about God saying, I give you my son. Because he alone is righteous. He, he, is, he is the one through whom righteousness can be formed in us. Grace is God bringing us into contact, into oneness with the righteousness of God. Uh, in us there is no there is nothing good. There is no righteousness. God cannot just stir the pot a little bit and go, okay, they're righteous enough. Now, in order for us to be righteous, God actually has to come and make us righteous. We are like a torch. Boy, that looks bad. I'm trying to make light and it's not working. If you want a torch to make light, you can turn it on all you want. Here's the problem. If you don't have the battery, it does nothing. For sin, the ends are the means. Death is the cudgel of sin and death is sin's end point. But for grace, the ends are not the means. The, the means of grace is making us righteous. But the end point of, of grace, the end point is eternal life. And in the Bible, there's only one definition of eternal life given, and that's given in John chapter 17, verse 3. Jesus says, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The end point of, of grace is us being in a relationship with God. The end point of sin is us being dead. Grace is God's working in our lives and through our lives so that we can actually stand the presence of God. No one can see God and live. We, we just can't. God is perfectly holy and pure and righteous and we will burn up if we are in his presence. And God says, by grace, I'm going to come and I'm going to act in your life and I'm going to be transforming you by the power of my spirit to make you like my son. Mercy is, is God's 
not giving us what we deserve. Uh, uh, Grace is more than that. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. Grace is God giving us himself. Grace is more than just some form of cosmic silicon. My shed at home uh, is a beautiful shed. It's got some holes in it, which I have plugged with silicon to keep the rain out. Grace is more than plugging of the holes. Grace is rebuilding the shed. God's grace is bigger than any sin we can imagine. It always outpaces sin. That's amazing. We're very good at at sinning, but nothing we do can outpace God giving himself to us. The history of humanity is us pushing God further and further away. The most amazing thing is that as we push, God's arms just go wider and wider out. But doesn't it make sense then that the way to experience more grace is to push against God harder, to sin harder, to... To, you know, just do whatever we want to do? No, that, that's totally missing the point of grace. The point of grace is, well, by grace we are saved, we are brought into this relationship with God, and, and then God, by grace, acts in our life to give us life. And not just life now, but life forever. And as we are united with Jesus, we, we, we die with him to sin. Not by the way, in terms of you are now incapable of sinning, because if that's the case, all of us are in, in a great deal of trouble. We, of course, we're capable of sinning, but, but we, die, we die with Jesus so that we can live his life. And there's a choice in that. There's, there's a choice to say, I am going to trust in God's grace. When I mess up, God's not going to give up on me, but I'm not going to deliberately try and push God away because, man, he's been so good to me. We are dead to sin in in, in terms of sin no longer being the master of us. We don't have to obey it. Paul later on in Romans 8 says, we are under no obligation to obey it. We have the choice. We have, by grace, the capacity to say, God, I choose you. And by grace, we have the capacity to say, God, I should have chosen you, and I'm choosing you now. You know know what they say, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Good advice, isn't it? No, it's terrible advice. If at first you don't succeed, you try, try again, what's going to happen the second time? You're going to not succeed either. And the third time, you're not going to succeed either. I watched a brilliant video of the SpaceX rocket. You know, this reusable rocket that they're blasting off to space, amazing technology, landing on barges and whatever. And the video shows them going up and it's landing, 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 and it tips over and explodes. And the next time it lands, 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 and it's fine, and then it explodes. And then it lands, 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 and everything looks good, and then it explodes. And then it progressively gets more impressive, and then right at the end of the video, this thing lands. Now, they didn't just try, try, and try again until they succeeded because there was something wrong with their rocket. Every time the the rocket exploded, they went back to the drawing boards and said, what's wrong? Let's change things and start again. And uh, try, assess, try again. 
And see, grace is a little bit like that. God, God's grace doesn't just say, there, 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 oh, you've done it again. There, 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 oh, you've done it again. There, 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 oh, you've done it. That's irritating, isn't it? God's grace says, there, there, let's, let, let me work on you. Let me change you. Oh, you've blown up again. Yeah, there's a long way to go. But I know where I'm taking this project. We're not going to space. We're going to be with me. We are united with Jesus totally in his death and in his life. <clears throat> a little bit later, Robin's going to get baptized. Baptism is the public confession of our commitment to Jesus. It's recognizing that Jesus is Lord. We are baptized into Jesus. We are, it's like Jesus becomes the most important part of us. He becomes all of us, really. Jesus died. Jesus rose from the dead through the glory of the Father so that with Jesus we could live a different kind of life, that we could live his life. Grace is God saying, you can't do this, but I can, so I'm going to put you in me. I'm going to carry you entirely. I'm going to hold you on my shoulders because, quite frankly, you cannot make it. If we trust in Jesus, if his death becomes our death, if, if every moment we go, I cannot do this, God, only you can do this, then his life is our life now and forever. God doesn't want us to be slaves to sin. Sin's end game is death. God wants us to be in the end game of grace, which is life with him, which is knowing him. And when we go down to the beach a little bit, uh, I'm embarrassing Robin, no doubt, but I'm going to talk about Robin for a little bit. When we go down to the beach a little bit, there's, there's nothing magical in what's going to happen. But there is something special. We're enacting the truth that Robin trusts Jesus, that she's died with Jesus, that she is alive with Jesus now and forever. And from this point on, in fact for a while now, Robin, who trusts Jesus, is free from sin or more accurately, free from the dominion of sin. I'm sure if we got Robin up here, as part of your baptism, you have to come and share with us your deepest, darkest sins, which you still struggle with, Robin. That's okay, we're all doing it, so that's fine. <laughs> now, of course she's not, of course she still sins. God's grace is saying, yeah, you still blow up. Guess what? I'm still working on you. Grace is us going, God has been good to me. God is good to me. Grace is saying that even though we mess up, God doesn't run out on us. Thank you. Yes, we don't yet have the end goal of grace. We don't yet have eternal life. We don't yet have a, well, I take that back, we do have eternal life in Jesus, but we don't yet experience it fully. But here's the other thing. Many other people don't yet have the end goal of sin, which is death. Which one do we choose? Grace doesn't mean that God removes all temptations and trials from your life. Grace means that we can choose 
God. It means that God is ours, or or to put it better, that we are God's. It means that we have the capacity, with God's help, to say no to the evil desires of our bodies, and yes to God. Grace means that God's life is running our life. And so Paul says, don't offer your bodies to wickedness, verse 11, but offer them to God. Because that's who you really are. Sorry, that's not verse 11, that's just above it. Verse 11 says this. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. In other words, in the words of a fantastic song, it's okay to act like you've been set free. It's okay to act like you've been set free. I'm going to finish in just a few seconds, but I, I, want, to, I want to say to you there's, there's some reasons why we struggle with grace sometimes. One of them is that we often act like we haven't been set free. Perhaps we feel uncomfortable with the idea of not being able to make it on our own, but But grace and pride cannot exist at the same time. Grace is God saying, man, you're pitiful, but I'm going to love you despite you. I'm going to take you who keeps blowing up and make you into this amazing creature who resembles my son. We can't deserve it. If if we're sitting here going, no, no, I'll I'll do it on my own, we we can't. We, We just can't. Perhaps we feel uncomfortable with grace because we can't see why God would show grace to us. I mean, I understand God showing grace to Reg because, you know, he's a good bloke and he hasn't done anything majorly wrong. But, man, God doesn't, God doesn't really understand me. I mean, the the temptations I have, the struggles I have, if God knew my deepest blackness, God would be smiting me. There's no way that God looks at me and goes, I love you. There's no way God would show grace to us. And I know I'm not alone in thinking that because when I said Reg was a good bloke, he started laughing. Here's the amazing thing about grace. God, if he is God, knows everything. God knows your deepest, darkest, blackest, most heinous parts of your life. And knowing what he knows about me And knowing what he knows about you, he still said, that's going to blow up. Yep, that's going to blow up. Let's work on that. He still said, let's deal with the major issue. Let's give them some mercy. Let's not give them what they deserve. They deserve to be thrown on the scrap heap of eternity. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to send my son. I'm going to forgive their sins. And then I'm going to get busy with grace. I'm going to give myself 
and I'm going to be transforming them. And it's going to be a long process. Some of them, some of them are in better shape than others, and it's going to be like just a little bit over here, and, and wow, they, they, they're miles ahead of everyone else. Some of them, it's going to take them 79 years till they don't blow up when you look at them. But in the end, I'm going to make them all into into people like my son Jesus. And when he comes back, I'm going to put the finishing touches on. I'm going to transform them entirely. I'm going to make them new. I'm going to give them new bodies. I'm going to give them new hearts, hearts that are set on me. And no, none of them will look at each other and go, hey, know the Lord, because they'll know me, all of them. The end point of grace is going to be done. And we sit here going, wow. God couldn't love me. That's a choice we've got to make. If Jesus is God and the evidence says he is, then the maker of the vast universe says you are valuable, says you are worth his life, says he wants to transform you and me to be like him. Knowing full well everything that you have done and will do. If you want to sit back and say, yeah, but he couldn't deal with me, yeah, but it's taking too long, go for it. It's going to be a miserable life. Just be warned. God is a bigger savior than you are a sinner. You cannot out-sin God's grace because grace is God himself coming to you. We're not going to sing our final song here. But I do want you to, to think of the words, do it again. The verse of the song that we've sung a few times recently says, uh, I, I thought by, for sure by now that these walls in my life would have fallen down. But what I do know is that you, God, have never failed me yet. Your grace in the past says I'm going to trust you for grace in the present. Which is what Robin's doing today. Robin, do you want to come forward? Uh, Pam, do you want to ask uh, the kids to come out if they want to we're just gonna we're just gonna pray for robin we we thought about going down to the beach and doing this bit but we thought you you know the wind would take my voice away um robin's quite softly spoken which is wonderful she has 14 pages of notes here so settle in not quite father thank you for robin Thank you that you love her and you've given yourself to her. Thank you that you've given yourself to all of us. And as she gets baptized today, Lord, we stand with her and we stand and remember that we also are dead to sin and alive to you. Lord, as we continue to to struggle to choose to follow you, I pray that you would give us power, that you would give Robin power, that you would make us into the people that you would have us be. And when we explode... Thank you that you are very good at putting us together again and making us better. 
Lord, I pray that today is a special day for Robin and that you would honor this, this commitment that she's making to you. And I thank you, God, that, that you are more committed to Robin than she has ever been to you. Amen. And she's pretty committed. So Robin, do you want to tell us a little bit about why you want to get baptized, your testimony? time I guess. It's on. Um, I have uh, asked Brett to pray for tongues of fire for today. It's going to be cold down there. <laughs> I had discussed with Nick and he said you know when you're telling a testimony you don't start from the very beginning of uh, you know I was born in 1962 but you do need to know a little bit of um, who I was before Christ came into my life because without that you don't understand the context and you wouldn't uh, possibly understand uh, the grace of God in my life without knowing um, some of the beginning. I was naughty. <laughs> yeah, it was yesterday too. <laughs> Um, you may have uh, an impression of me playing guitar, um, working in mops. Um, you may have spoken to me and you thought to yourself, oh, she's a nice, nice girl, but I wasn't brought up in a Christian household. But uh, God brought me up in a house that was over the road from a church. That's grace. God brought me up in a household uh, that right next door to the church over the road from my house was a Christian family. God brought me up in a household where two doors down from the church was a Baptist missionary family. That's grace. Because in my earlier days and as I was growing up as a teenager and as a young adult, I was far from... Um, well, I wasn't far from grace, but I was far from perfect. Uh, if I wasn't throwing up in gutters or sleeping with some strange person for the umpteenth time, I was running to the Christian family over the road uh, because my mother had locked herself in the bathroom with razor blades because she had drunk too much once again. So my life from that sense was... Um, was not good and I was on a fast track to uh, destruction. But you know, at the age of 19, you never know what goes on in the heart of a person, no matter where they're from. You, you obviously don't need to know everything, but if I didn't tell you a little bit, you wouldn't know what this means. This is an extract from a diary that I wrote when I was 19 in 1981. And in 1981, at the age of 19, I was naughty. But I wrote this. And you listen for the grace of God in this. I had been to church as a child and I had frequented churches once in a blue moon. But I knew the Sampsons over the road, my Baptist missionaries, 
and the Christians that lived next door in the church that I was sent to on Sunday mornings as a child for Sunday school to give my parents a little bit of free time. My diary reads, this is an extract from my diary, I'm very grateful for the chance to express my thoughts because I have never and maybe will never be able to convey what I really feel deep in my heart to even the closest people to me. I have so many things going on through my mind at the moment and I'm not quite sure where to begin. I'm so happy to have this diary. I'm trying to find the right words but I'm so mixed up in my own mind as to what I feel. This is, remember, written by a 19-year-old who wasn't yet walking with the Lord. Let me start by saying, I believe in God and I know he is with me right now. This is from a person who didn't think they knew God. But why do I continually ignore the fact that I can actually worship him every Sunday and more? I feel that my whole life is full of sin. And I can't even take the time out to worship fully the God I know is there. I only pray when I need something, some guidance, and I really wish that the miracles that some people experienced with the Lord could appear for me so that I may have something to build my faith on. Even as I'm writing now, I think to myself that I shouldn't need proof, but I should just have faith without it. I love the Lord God. And I really wish I could have a strong hand to lead me to worship him to the best of my ability. I can't say that this is making any great sense at all, but it's how I feel. I, won't, uh, I want so much to be a good Christian, and yet I just couldn't be bothered to make the effort. My father used to say, everybody's a Christian, just some people are good Christians and some people are bad Christians. This is what scares me the most, not being bothered to make an effort to understand what means the most to me. You know, the last few times I attended a church, I found that during hymns and prayers my eyes would fill up with tears. I just wanted so much to understand that the whole thing, what the whole thing meant in simple terms, and I felt so guilty and ashamed that I had to fight back the tears. I'm not sure that anyone can help my problem, but I wish, wish someone would try. I don't feel I can do it all on my own. And I pray that something will click someday and I will be able to go to church without a feeling of guilt or bewilderment. Someday came, two years later, at a Christian youth convention that a friend of mine had invited me to. And there was a preacher and he preached the word of God. And that combined with the Sampsons over the road the Johnsons down the road, the people who I met who knew Jesus, who didn't ram Jesus down my throat, who didn't mention the Bible, but who lived grace. I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ and I burst into tears. I had, I'm not a public crier, I still am not, but I burst into tears in public. And I will never forget the feeling of the release of the burden of my sin that very moment I cried and I cried and I wept who does that but the Holy Spirit in me liquid tears, liquid prayers Jeremiah 29 11 for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord 
plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Once you know what you know, what you know, you cannot unknow it. From that day forward, Jesus was my saviour. Is being baptised going to make me a better Christian? I don't think so. Is being baptised going to make me more righteous or any more saved? No, it's not. Then why get baptised now? Because the Bible tells me so. There's a song that is written by Don Francisco and it says, And even if you do it wrong and miss the joy I've planned, I'll never, never, never let go of your hand. And if you think you've blown God's plan for your life, at whatever stage you're at, whether you've given your life to the Lord Jesus, whether you're thinking about it, or whether you have given the life to the Lord Jesus, and you're thinking to yourself, I've done that wrong, what does God want me to do? You, my friend, are not that powerful that you can change the course that God has for you. Because he did it for me. Thank you, Robin. Isn't that good? Wow. Robin. Do you want to get baptised? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) 35 years later, I think it's about time. (laughs) Have you and do you repent of your sins? Absolutely. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Woo! Amen. Absolutely. (laughs) He is. That he was born of the Virgin Mary, crucified, died, raised to life on the third day. Absolutely. Do you believe in God the Father, Jesus Christ, his Son, and the Holy Spirit? Yes. Do you promise with God's grace to celebrate his presence, his grace with you, and to further his mission in the world? Yes, I do. Wonderful. And now to us, because baptism is not just about Robin, it's about us. Do we as a church, will we here undertake to support Robin, to pray for her, to help her, to encourage her, and to see her grow in knowledge and love of God? Will we promise to do this for Robin? Wonderful. We're going to go to the beach. Absolutely. That's good. And you don't deserve it. (laughs) That's grace. Guys, we're going to go to the beach. Um, uh, if, If you don't know the way to go, if you're...